Well, good morning. Transition from worship pastor to giving a message this morning. Don't adjust your television sets. I'm not Mark. So, have we heard that um, Mark and Terry have, um, Terry's had a, a bit of an accident? So I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, that very broadly, and, and Mark's asked for me to cover for him this morning. Uh, Terry has, uh, Mark and Terry have horses, and uh, one of the horses got spooked and injured Terry's leg, and she had to be in surgery uh, for her leg, broke both bones in her knee, and they're, they just got her home yesterday, and uh, the, there's a very high pain threshold for moving around or doing anything. Uh, and so Mark's uh, attending on Terry this morning, and so I just want to take a moment and lift them up in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for being here and, and keeping Terry safe, that you spared her life, that you uh, have the plan moving forward for Terry and Mark. Lord, we just pray over their situation. We want to lift them up. That you comfort them, that you give them patience, both for the overall situation, but um, patience with each other. Uh, Lord, we just want to gather around them and agree with your plan in their life right now, Lord. We just pray that the Holy Spirit. Talks to them, so that uh, they hear His presence, that they know that you're near. And Lord, we uh, look for opportunities to encourage them. We pray that you equip and encourage and direct us as the body of new life to come alongside Mark and Terry and support them. Lord, we just pray that you give us opportunities to show them your support. We trust you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'd like to start in Psalm 150. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Open your Bibles to Psalm 150. Psalm 50 is, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resonant cymbals, resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So... When assembling a message and trying to to talk about the Bible, it's a very humbling thing. It's very intimidating to speak on behalf of God. And at the same time, we have Bible studies where we attend during the week on Wednesday and where where we um, on on Sunday morning, and we're we're learning more about the Bible. We'll talk a little bit more about Psalms and just to kind of get some historical context and whatnot. So we'll, we'll maybe learn some things. 
But the challenge that I always have when trying to talk on behalf of God is what's the application? What are we trying to learn? And the thing that has really been on my heart this week is we have a lot of stuff happening in our lives here at New Life. There's the big issues. We have family problems. We have health issues. We have job issues. Um, And how do we deal with all of that? How do we deal with the pain? How do we deal with the frustration? Um, And I don't know about you, but when I'm going through scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks to me to encourage me, but I don't necessarily get comforted by the verses other people give me. And so when I have pain and then somebody gives me a a one-liner, sometimes that's an opportunity for me to not be my best self, uh, not my best Christian self. And so I know that we have a lot of uh, pain that's, that's going on right now. And here are some of my favorites. Um, Romans 8.28. We hear that all the time. And we know uh, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. The other one that we, I hear a lot is, well, God never gives us more than we can handle. That's encouraging. Right? So 1 Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that ye are able. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. That's true. When the Holy Spirit brings that to my heart, it's amazing. When somebody else brings that to me, not as much. I'm, I'm a little less... Less Christian. Christian with air quotes. And then the one that I struggle with a lot, because it's a whole subject of a whole book, book of James. James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that trying of your faith worketh, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Shut up. <laughs> Is what I get when something, this is not great, right? I submit to the word of God. Everything in here is true, 100% true. The facts, nothing but the facts. Um, but the time that we have that delivered to us by other people, uh, I don't necessarily find that encouraging. And so one of the things I wanted to make sure that I was in core with talking this morning is how do we address the pain? How do, we, how do we do it? Because I, I, I wouldn't want to put it on anybody else to talk to me when I'm in a valley. Um, that's, that's my most likely time to injure relationships, uh, to snap at people, and to not be the nicest uh, fellow. So it, it was interesting that the, the Lord put on my heart, well, that's what praise and worship is. All singing all all prayer or all psalms are prayers we're talking to god not all prayers are psalms but all psalms are prayers if they're from psalms right and in the interesting uh, role that i have here at new life as the worship pastor i have to struggle with what does that actually mean 
How do we worship? How do we praise? How do we do it corporately? And it's fascinating that God gives you more instruction on how to deal with all of those heavy emotions. So if we go back to our text, Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. It speaks to where. Praise him in the firmament of his power is also where. Now here's a why. Why do we praise? Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Okay. How? How are we supposed to do this? This is something that as a worship pastor I struggle with a lot. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Praise him with psaltery and harp. Timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him upon high-sounding cymbals. Okay? There's a lot in there. We'll unpack that in just a second. And then let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So I wanted to unpack a little bit about worship as a solution to our pain, as a solution to communicating with God. The biggest thing that I got thrown off with, or the first thing that I got thrown off with, was who, in that text, who is to worship? It's on the last verse. All that hath breath. This is what I wanted to say. So this is an interesting thought. And anytime you go in and approach the throne room of God on behalf of teaching, come with preconceived ideas and find out what he has to say about that. Uh, he's going to change your idea. He's going to change your mind. What I wanted to be able to say is we as Christians have a special communication with God, and God is uh, calling us specifically to worship. And that's true. But all throughout Scripture, every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, every thing that hath breath will worship, will praise God. And it really kind of changed my thought process around approaching God. The trees worship God. Plankton Worship God. And at the same time of being being special with air quotes as a Christian because God chose me, it reinforced the fact that this is his creation that he has called to himself. And that it is the vocation of everything that has breath is to praise God. And then why do we worship? So, before diving in as, as kind of a, a broad category, worship. Worship is, the words used for it are hallel, is to worship. Hallelujah is hallel, is to worship you. Hallelujah is y'all, the, 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 the Texan you plural. Hallelujah is Yahweh. Hallelujah, y'all worship Yahweh. There's also Shechach, which is Hebrew, uh, about to bow down, to prostrate, to worship physically, to kiss the hand of. So, I have a lot of, talking about preconceived notions here, uh, as a worship pastor, I have a lot of preconceived notions about what we should be doing. Here's, you know, what instrument should we play, what style of music, what, uh, what hymnal should we use, all of that. Um, and as we go forward and we unpack this a little bit um, going forward, we have to keep the idea of what all of this is about in the first place. Hallel 
to worship, y'all worship him, to praise, to lift him up. And then the other of to prostrate, to fall down, to kiss the hand of. Well, that's worship, to bow down. And so we're, I'm, I'm going to be unfortunately candid about some of my gaps of when I do that, when talking about the mechanics of worship, because it's not necessarily from a bowing down and bowing myself down and lifting God up perspective. So, specifically, why do we worship? Well, the first reason that we worship is because of who God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. It starts there, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't find, um, quote-unquote, creative verses. I wanted to keep this very straightforward. We worship God because he, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. The end, hard character, carriage return, that's the, the only thing that matters. If you get Genesis 1-1, you will have no other problems with the rest of the Bible. You'll have no other problems with creation. You'll have no problems with um, theology. Because if you understand that he is our God and king, the rest of it's finding out what he has to say about it. But that one verse is the hardest thing to get our minds around. We want to justify. We want to... Um, Explain away. We want to be able to take our own preconceived notions to God and have him accept it. So we worship so that we acknowledge that our interpretation has nothing to do with the power of God. It has nothing to do with him. He is autonomous on his own. We worship because of what he did for us. And this one pulls in very, very easily um, the... John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might through him be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So this is an action. There's a lot in the Bible uh, that talk about God's glory, his grandeur, when God created to show how powerful he was. But there's a few chapters in Genesis, and you can kind of find them sporadically placed throughout the, the Bible. But what it cost him, his act of sacrifice, is the entirety of the book. So we worship to acknowledge what he did for us. I imagine that God would not have a problem recreating a whole new solar system, a whole new set of galaxies, a whole new, you know, go through the whole dinosaur bit again. Awesome. Um, to create some, some people that would obey his, his will. All right, we're going to etch a sketch. We're going to get some people that, uh, I will, that will actually do what I tell them to do. He chose to go about it in a different way. He chose to redeem us. And that was his choice. So that's our second reason for worshiping. Because it's God's volitional activity that saved us. And each of these are are a whole sermon series on their own to try to unpack what that is. But as a reason to worship, the fact that God chose us blows my mind. And I, I, I don't know how to even approach that. In some awkward way, that's, that's what we're all here for, and we're trying to discover what God has for us. 
Now, I want to, uh, the third reason to worship is because we're told to. All the way through the scripture, um, there's praise the Lord, bless the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. These are imperative statements. It's, it's not if you'd like to. These are go do. They're a command. I struggled with this one a bit. Because if God is all-powerful and all-loving, does he, does he need us to worship him, to praise him? Is that a requirement? Is he made better? Is he made more grand by our act of worship? I don't think so. I don't think God needs any of that. What I think from the entirety of Scripture is... We put ourselves in a very different heart place when we acknowledge that he's God. If we are going about our day and following our checklist and say, well, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. God, these things are outside of my control. Can you take care of that for me? We're giving God a to-do list. We're giving him a checklist of things. But you know what? I got the rest of it. God doesn't work for me. God doesn't make sure that I can get my task list done. When we are commanded to, we're actually being asked the question, do you submit to me? Is what I want for your life what you choose? Or is what you want for your life what you choose? I have to be pretty honest. I don't like that very much. I, I want to hold on to all of my things. And I want to be Christian. Um, here's what I say. I, I want to be Christian uh, on the outside and inside. Um, but I know that I have some stuff that I'm working on. So I'll be satisfied to be Christian on the outside. And y'all think that I'm holy and whatnot. And then I'll, I'll deal with all my other things over here. God's command is for our benefit. That he might instruct in us a a heart of submission, a heart of praise, a heart of joy. It's very hard to talk about all of the things that you want God to answer on your list. When on the other side, you're giving thanks for all of the things that he's done for you. All of the blessings that he's already given you. The relationships. Your pets. Your job. That's a different heart. Thank you God for... What do you want is very different than I choose to, I deign to worship you when I have extra time. The next reason to worship is because we get to. This is the biggest thing ever. And this one was weird for me also. So, uh, Ephesians 2.18, for through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. We have access through the, to the throne room of God. It's a privilege. That's with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, with Christ in us. Christ right now, the Bible says that Christ is on his Father's throne. Making petitions for us to the Father. That's a... That's a timeline-linked thing. He won't always be on his father's throne in that way. For a time in the future, he's going to be on David's throne. He's going to move. Right now, 
He's indwelling our hearts. Listening, wants to be part of every capacity, every moment of our life. And he is praying to the Father with our own petitions. The fact that we get to, but don't. There's, there's only a brief moment in time where I will fully apprehend that. It's probably in this moment talking from the, the stage right now. And then as soon as I leave, I'm going to be like, well, how did I do? Was I going to do better? Could I, could I have twisted a, a phrase a little bit better? Right now, in the presence of God, Jesus is petitioning to his Father. And all we have to do is join with him in that. This is the next reason is because we get to worship because we need to. This is really what ties it all around to where this all started with the pain that we have. And how do we process all of that? So my thought process is, okay, well, I know that we are to pray without ceasing. That's something that we're supposed to do. Okay, I got that. Um, How are we to pray? Okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. For thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Cool. I don't feel better. Necessary. How do I deal with the pain, with the drama, with the where I feel that God has let me down. Well, the answer is through the Psalms, through directly railing against God. David is the author of a large portion of the book of Psalms. David had a lot of stuff going on in his life, all the way throughout. And his solution to every problem was to go and praise, to go and worship. And an example of this that really struck home, and it was a, a, it kind of put some of my other concerns on the back burner, and it kind of made me a little bit ashamed about what I was all emotional about, is 2 Samuel 12, verse 16. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David, so that he was very sick. David therefore inquired of God for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all the night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died, And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that his child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they sent food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, 
What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when he, the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, and that child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Again, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So David lost a child. And in submission to what Nathan had told him, previously this, Nathan convicted him of some shenanigans that he was working with with Bathsheba, and he repented of that. Nathan told him, because of this action, you're going to have a whole lot of problem in your family, not the least of which your son's going to be struck dead. David repented. Nathan let him know that the Lord said, okay, because you've repented, you won't die. But the child is still sick. So he went and he prayed the whole time, seven days while the child was sick. So maybe God will relent. Maybe through the act of fasting, maybe he's trying to partner with what God's already going to do. He's agreeing. He's not rebelling. He's agreeing in strife, in pain, in turmoil with what God has already ordained. The child still died. He's like, oh, okay. I'll go meet with him later. I, I will get to see my child again. But in the meantime, he goes and worships. This is what really unlocked the whole book of Psalms for me. Because if we have an excuse to go into the throne room with the book of Psalms, have we read Psalms? There's a lot of really dark things in there's a lot of anguish. There's a lot of wrath. There's a lot of um, David or whoever wrote the psalm talking to God in a way I wouldn't talk to my spouse. Maybe. The point behind all of that is God can handle it. God wants it. Because that's the communication. He knows our anguish. When we don't share it with him, We're cutting ourselves off from his comfort. We're shutting ourselves off from being able to hear his voice. Here's a brief digression that I'll go on with with hymns. All right, worship pastor. Is modern worship or hymnal music from any one of the traditions, Catholic, Baptist, whatever, are they better? Hmm. Well, who's worship for? Is worship for me? Or is worship for God? I'm worshiping God. So, what that means is, God does not need our theology. It's kind of funny if we try to find quote-unquote reward, theologically rich um, songs to present to God. Does God need to know systematic theology? Are we going to teach him something more? Do we need to have the 711 music, which is the uh, seven words of the song repeated 11 times? Is that something that is redeeming to God? Guess depend. If what's in my heart is this painful thought, I pain uh, or adoration, saying it 11 times is maybe exactly what God wants to hear. And by way of personal digression, uh, 
I come from a classical background in music, so I'm predisposed to all of the highfalutin stuff. And because of being predisposed to the highfalutin stuff, I think it's better. And do you know what then that is about? About me? It's about what I want. And it's about what I want to show off. And on the other side, singing praise and worship music to somebody that says, Thou art my God and King. Praise you. Praise his name. And finds three chords to, to sing that way for an hour. Man, that's got to be a sweet savor to God. Just somebody approaching the throne room, wanting to be with him. I struggle with that. Y'all keep praying for me on that one. The last reason to worship God is because it gives us God's perspective. With all of this, uh, I didn't want to pull all of the verses in here because it was like kind of a sermon on each bullet point. But you have all of these people that had horrible things happen in their lives. We have Job. We have Moses. We have uh, uh, David. uh, And there's a list of things that they could go through. And sometimes God answers the question, especially Job, for example. I did all these things. Have I ever forsaken you? Okay. God shows back up. Who did this? Who did that? Who did the other thing? Who knit you together in your mother's womb? So giving us God's perspective is that opportunity where we approach the throne room. And then at the end of our talking, he will give us some perspective back. He will tell us. Jumping into the mechanics a little bit, and I'll go pretty fast through these because I don't find that the mechanics are important besides to show that God wants to make sure that we don't make a ritual out of any of it. So how are we to, to worship? We have clapping and shouting, Psalm 47. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a triumphant voice. With lifted hands. This one, I have a problem with because I'm from the frozen chosen. I was raised Catholic. And all of my spirituality comes in deep theological thought and scholastically sound music. And God wouldn't have any of it if it doesn't involve me. So raising hands, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. I'm uncomfortable doing this because I'm an introvert. And this... Leaves me open. But this isn't about you. This is about him. Bowing and kneeling. Psalm 95, 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Standing. Behold, uh, Psalm 134, 1. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, by which by night stand in the house of the Lord. And the last one, with dancing and instruments. 149, Psalm 149, uh, verse 3. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with timbrel and harp. It's another one I have problems with. I, I don't know, know how to do that in holy fashion. Quote, unquote, holy fashion. But I think here's the point. After looking at all of this, how are we mandated, quote, unquote, mandated, to worship. 
I would say it is in a non-common way, specific to what the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, but for Him, and you answer what He has for you. Sometimes worship is sitting softly in your chair and rocking to the music and speaking with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's raising hands, sometimes it's jumping for joy. But the undergirding, undergirding of it all is that it's not common. This is an act of worship. It's something that we do because we want to approach the throne room and we follow as we're led. This is really easy to get into prescribed things or the person that's raising their hand is more holy than the person who's seated. That's not what it's about. But it is intentional. And the conviction that I have here is uh, from a, uh, again, I'll call it a high church background, is the ritual becomes its own idol. You start to follow all of the prescriptions because you know that that's holy. And then this thing that you've created arbitrarily has become something that you don't that you do so that you don't have to talk to God. That you don't have to go left instead of right when you wanted to go right. The priests in the temple sacri- went through all of the motions, all of the uh, ritual sacrifices, uh, rituals for the jealousy. That was their vocation. And yet all around the outside of the temple in Jerusalem, they had their private idols, the private gods that they worshipped. So God had given them all of these prescriptions. It's like, okay, I will give you the most detailed rules possible on how to worship. And still it doesn't reach the heart. They still worshipped however they wanted on the outside, going through their day job. And their day job was worshipping Yahweh. That scares me. The last thing that I wanted to kind of touch on is... Where should we worship? Now this one's a little bit tricky. What do we think? Is this here where we, where we worship? Yes. yes. Is at Walmart where we worship? Yeah. At home? Yeah. And this is tricky because it says um, in, at the end of Psalm 150. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise God in his sanctuary. But at least seven times, the Bible says, ye are the temple of God. We have 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Ye are the temple of God. Know ye that that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. This is probably the biggest challenge that I have as a worship pastor. There's a lot of mechanics into putting together the worship set in, in the uh, uh, week to week. You pray through the, the, the different songs. You try to make sure that nothing conflicts with scripture, um, that it's all what God would have. And I can do all of that and get my stamp of approval on Sunday morning uh, that this is something that the, the Lord would take. And I can sing through the whole set with the entire worship band um, and not have worshipped once. 
I can be thinking while I'm playing that I didn't quite hit that chord right. Or are we going to hit this bridge right? Well, I'm not worshiping in the temple. I'm standing in a, in a box dedicated to Christ amidst, amidst all of these sanctuaries. All of the sanctuaries are in the box. And sometimes I'm leading worship and I'm not worshiping. So, to tie this all together, God wants us to bring all of our life events to him. The worst that we have, he wants us to bring to him. That's what I struggle with. I want, again, I want to be, quote unquote, holy. I want to be doing the right things. And so I don't want to bring nasty words to Christ. I don't want to give him my dirty laundry. But he approaches us so that he can minister to us in all of that. It's his opportunity to minister to us. So the last thing I was, I I didn't know whether I'd bring it up or not, but um, is there a hymn book that is superior to any other hymn book? Yeah, there actually is. For ha ha, it's here. Not all hymns are scripture. Psalms are scripture. So when I'm in doubt, I'm going to pull the songbook from here. And while I might not want to use all my four-letter words, I don't think God would mind if I'm bringing it to him. But if I want to find some of my nasties, David helped us out a lot. David has also, uh, this is also scripture. It's his own word. It's Christ's own word. We can bring back that pain to him and say, I'm feeling this way. I, my enemies are, are stacked up against me. Break their teeth. Those are not comfortable things. But God gives us a way to do that. And I, I, in my shortcomings, I'm, I want all of the procedure, the prescription. Um, and so that's why the Lord's Prayer is sometimes challenging for me when I'm in pain. But the Lord is amazing in that he gave us 150 psalms. Some of them are praise. Some of them are blessings. Some of them are laments. Some of them are railing accusations that I can take to the throne room of God and know that they are his own words and that he has already put them together to minister to my heart. And that he's got it, that I don't have more emotions to share with him than he can minister to And so in my dark valleys, I'm going to give it a shot and see what it looks like. I'm going to pray that God gives me the grace and patience to not answer with my mouth when anybody gives me Romans 8.28 or any of the other lists of encouraging verses, quote unquote, and instead approach the throne room directly that I might have a a better tolerance and uh, be able to uh, be ministered to which I'm sure is its own subject on its own. So I, I guess I would just say, as you're out in the valleys, because of thinking of this as a lab class, not trying to take away a bunch of theological notes to say, now I understand a little bit more about scripture of 
with this direction or that direction. But as a practical application, I would love to know how the Holy Spirit is in, involved in your life. What he told you, how he asked you to approach the throne room to minister to your pain. And I'd love for you to share it with me if you're comfortable with each other. Um, because this is not a book that contains the word of God. This is the word of God. This is not a book that contains history, some bits. It contains all of history. Everything in the past, everything in the future is encapsulated between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation 22. And so when I'm in doubt, I'm going to turn to the Word of God. And when I'm in pain, I'd like to know how to do that. Please join me in prayer. God, Father God, we just, we pray that we learn or that you teach us how to praise and how to worship. Lord, teach us how to bow down to you, to give you, give over our will to you because we know that your plan is superior to ours. Lord, we pray that you teach us how to praise you. Lord, just put on our hearts all of the, the works that you've done, both in our lives and each other's lives, the, the creation that you've made, Lord, and just help us to keep stock, help us to keep inventory of all of your blessings. And Lord, we just pray that we, we shout your praises, we shout the inventory of your greatness continually. Lord, that we might have your perspective. Lord, that we feel comfortable taking all of our hurts, all of our concerns to you, Lord. That we don't pull our punches, that we, like David, go to you with all of our railing words. Because we know that you have got it. We know that you can handle it. And we know that we have permission through Christ to come into the throne room and talk to you about it. To shout at you about it. We pray that we always submit to your will. We pray that we see your will and we follow. And Lord, that when we don't have an idea of what, what you would lead us to at that moment, that we are able to be still and know that you are God. We trust you in Jesus' name. going to pl play a little bit and if anybody would like to come forward and pray please do so if anyone would like uh, to have someone pray for them please feel free to reach across an aisle and share that need and after that we will do our uh, flesh James, can you put D on?
I think I remember to bring announcements up here. Rut row. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to thank you all for uh, joining and, and coming to see us this morning. Um, if you're new and haven't been with us before, we would ask that you fill out a member or member a visitor card so that we uh, can follow up to see if there's anything we can do to help. If you have any prayer or anything heavy on your heart that we can partner with you on, we would love to do that. Um, one of the big things here is our deacon of the week. Um, this, our deacon for this week is the Parks. Uh, just ignore the, the dates in there. I, I haven't missed up there. Um, men's breakfast, uh, February 16th, uh, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Ooh, we have a potluck on the 27th. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Potluck Fellowship here at New Life, January 27th, immediately following the service. Uh, Super Bowl 19. I've heard that Super Bowl is a big thing. I'm not even sure what that is. We're going to keep on track. It's a big bowl. It's a big bowl, right? Yeah, big chili cook-off. Big chili cook-off? Okay. So, music. I have a music degree. Opera? Maybe different 
People have different life choices. I chose opera, so I have no idea what football is about. Let's see. Ladies' winter mini retreat. Tamara, can you talk about that?